0: Yes, Frank, you're opening today.
1: Can you do the three, two again? <laughs> sure. Three, two, one. Hey, James. This week, I have kind of a requested topic from a friend of the show, Ryan, but it's also something that I think we've talked about before. And I think that I just keep making passing arguments. So I thought we would do a whole episode. Brace yourselves. It's an architecture episode on MVU, Model View Update, the architecture that is replacing all your known patterns, James. Um, What are your thoughts? Can we do a whole episode on this puppy?
0: Yeah, most likely. I mean, we've done full episodes on MVVM, on React, on all the different things under the sun. And there has more recently been more talk about MVU. It's been around for a long time. I... I sort of think of it in correlation to sort of like, um, I would say what, like F sharp esque programming, functional programming, Flutter development really has made a stance with MVU. But there's a lot of other frameworks that are out there. Like, I think, is even React
1: technically kind of an MVU framework? Not just technically, I would say it's the most successful version. Oh, no, okay. yeah, absolutely. Look at that. Yeah. And as you know, React is on JavaScript. So it's definitely not just a functional language thing. Mm. But um, you're absolutely right. It definitely um, the functional language world, especially the immutable data world has really embraced it for a way to build user interfaces. I don't know how many functional language books you've read in your life. But basically, none of them talk about user interfaces. It's kind of sad.
0: But I guess if if there if there's no talk of well, that's the nice thing is there's no talk about user interfaces then they can talk just about the pattern right people that really want to get into the pattern but what I'm assuming is the issue is that the two go together like peanut butter and jelly like the the if the UI framework pairs very nice with the architecture then bingo bango everything is great like that's how I sort of think of XAML and MVVM because XAML, the declarative markup with the binding system plays very nice with an MVVM model view, view model, Uh, updating pattern and command system, the decoupling, if you will, those two things uh, play nice together because the UI uh, syntax was sort of built around the architecture.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. You, you you had to say MVVM. So like we could probably spend two hours comparing and contrasting these two frameworks. But if you don't mind, uh, could I take a step back and just give a high level overview of kind of how I see the whole world so that we're kind of talking on the same page here? I like that.
0: This is how Frank sees the world <laughs> of architecture. <laughs> Inside my brain. No, Architecture.
1: No, my gosh! Go for it. <laughs> Flashing lights. Um, electrical engineer over here. So <laughs> we tend to think in diagrams and data flows. And we like to draw little diagrams for describing systems. Uh, we draw a block for some data. And then we draw another block, which is some other kind of data. And then you draw an arrow between them. And that means I transform this data into that data. Um, You might also see this called category theory for the math nerds out there. But, you know, you can break any system down. We love to draw diagrams of, you know, data goes here, then it goes through this system, then it goes through this system. It's a very logical way to think of your applications. So the big epiphany or revelation, sorry to use religious words there, but with uh, MVU is that the user interface is just data also. So if I can write a function that goes between one data model data type into another data model data type, then wouldn't it be nice if one of those data model data types was just user interface? So if I want a button, I can just say, put a button here, I can transform from my model to buttons. And I think that that's kind of the most wonderful part of MVU is that Simplicity there that in the end it's just kind of a function, maybe a complicated function, but it's just going from one data to another. Otherwise, there's nothing special going on.
0: Yeah, and when we think of, I guess MVVM sort of xaml development, right? Because MVVM is separate from xaml like they're they're completely separate. Like MVVM is the architecture, and MVU is the architecture, and then there's the UIs that that shove them together. Mm-hmm. I guess. The question I have is, I guess if you were building just coded UI, like, you know, just C-sharp UI or whatever, I'm like a new button, how I guess is that different with MVU? Because you're saying like it's a data type, but isn't a button already a type in the code behind technically or no, is it different?
1: Yeah, it is. Um, So the big can of worms that I left off there was I was talking about data flow in one direction from your model data into a button but i totally left off the what happens when a user clicks that button basically the click event handler how do you do event handlers and this kind of data flow ish kind of thing and to do the comparison to mvvm in mvvm <clears throat> we have binding and you just work your way back up that chain mm-hmm. and the data kind of has persistence it's you know, an object, it's a reference type, it's not a value type. And so they sit around, they all subscribe to each other's events. So you know data flows and run one direction and then data flows backwards. So of course we call that feedback. So feed forward, feedback. Um, so of course you need that in MVU. And that's where you get into the millions of different frameworks for MVU. It's everyone solving the feedback problem. How do I go from a click handler back? But just to take another pause moment, that's a nice comparison contrast moment with MVVM where in MVVM, you have a million little data paths, a million events, a million object property subscriptions. So it's not like this beautiful feed forward graph. It's really a million little tendrils. It looks like a a forest kind of graph.
0: Yeah, the MVVM approach is very event-based. I mean, you literally trigger an event to notify your user interface to go update something. So, uh, And then in that instance, the uh, framework, the UI framework then needs to subscribe to that event and know how to update the UI control. So an example is that A buttons event for a click is subscribed to, which then triggers a method that you say, please call this method that has an interface attached to it when some user does something. And then you do some stuff in that method, which is decoupled from the UI. Then you update some properties and then you say, hey, user interface, hope you're listening and (laughs) please update these, right? Please go update these things that I'm going to manually tell you. I have to raise a notification to say, go update this stuff. And then if you've set up your user interface correctly to subscribe and bind, if you will, to those properties, when said property is updated, the UI updates it well. So it's kind of this full circle pattern of eventing, right? There's literally a native event that triggers your action, which then triggers events that are subscribed to, to update. So it's this is very... Uh, Long winded in a way. I mean, it works elegantly <laughs> when you think when you think of it. Everything's an event, and uh, you're subscribing. You know, the framework subscribing to stuff, but the UI subscribing to stuff, and you tell it what to do and when to do it. Uh, it works very well together. Uh, however, that does seem like a lot of uh, when you think of MVVM. It is. It seems like a lot. Like a lot's happening. Like you said, there's all yeah. sorts of stuff. Everything is happening.
1: Yeah, and you said that very well. Um, so. It sounds nice. Um, There are kind of two big problems with it that I think we've all found when dealing with it. Um, The first is kind of obvious, especially if you don't have a good binding framework. Like we, We keep mentioning XAML, and XAML is great because it has a nice binding framework. But if you've ever done native Android programming or iOS programming, you know you don't have such a wonderful system. And therefore, James, you know the annoyance of sure sure my ui has subscribed to all these events but when the ui is hidden or otherwise goes off screen it should unsubscribe from those events and it's a pain like the more events you subscribe to the more work you have to do to unsubscribe at the right moment and all that there are whole frameworks designed to ease that burden um, because it's honestly such a pain i know you know that pain we've talked about it before no,
0: it, it is pain. I've, I've rolled my own frameworks before you've rolled your own, uh, before Xamarin forms and before prism and before MVVM cross and before all of these other ones that were out there, uh, you know, cause often coming from like the windows world with WPF or, or UWP or phone or Silverlight or whatever. Right. There was, there was all built into this framework. So it was very XAML MVVM binding first. And iOS and Android were not, like you said. Uh, Android now has some binding stuff if you're doing it in Kotlin. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, that said, I believe even Google kind of wants to go to a code-first approach. Uh, I don't know if they're really going with an MVV or an MVU approach, but funnily enough, they have a data type called ViewModel in in theirs. And in fact, iOS has view controller, which comes from an um, MVC type of thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. They're all different architectures. We've talked about them a bunch, <laughs> but it is fascinating that MVC and MVVM often play very with a uh, declarative, syntactical, GUI-based user interface. So for an example is... Um, obviously the designer, the storyboard, right? Or the Android XML or the XAML. Like usually there's some declarative glue that um, can be represented in a graphical user interface. Whereas when I look at Swift UI, which has a preview or whatever, has some stuff over there. there, it's not really exactly the same. It's more of like, here's a snapshot of of your running application in a way. Um, and same with mm-hmm. like Flutter, right? It's like run your real application because there is no drag and drop thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess the most insulting way to talk about XAML is to call it a templating engine. <laughs> You're just going from here's a model here's the UI to present for that model. Mm -hmm. It's better than that because it can go backwards. But I mean, think back to MVC. What is one of the largest deployments of MVC? It's the web, it's uh, Ruby on Rails. And that's a templating engine, that's HTML. So they solve that, what I call the forward problem, very easily. Um, Here's a model, generate a UI for me. But I was talking about um, all those events and the unsubscription problem and the the root of that problem is that these ui elements are persistent they're objects they're reference types they're big heavy reference types mm. you create a button it's allocating some major os resources you know it's going to hang on to its events as long as it can it's got a whole life cycle associated with it whereas to contrast in mvu the user interface is very lightweight you can create objects and throw away objects at will. They are You're supposed to consider them pretty much free. And therefore, you don't have the event unsubscription problem because the semantic model is you're throwing out the UI every time the model changes anyway. That's the semantic model. There is no concept of this is a button and will always be a button and it's on the screen right now. It's just more like given the state of the app and given the model data, build me a new UI. So me personally, that's kind of actually where I first fell in love with this um, UI style was I was just getting tired of events, (laughs) simply put, and I wanted a simpler UI kind of building system. Now, it's ironic that that same lightweight UI system, you can build it out of good syntax and create something like Swift UI. But fundamentally, it's that difference of this is a UI I generate quickly. Or is it some kind of persistent thing that I have to manage over time?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It's almost as if it's a, yeah, like you said, did you say like a higher level object? That's almost decouf- decoupled from the underlying platform. Is that like a good way of saying yeah.
1: it? <clears throat> it doesn't have to be. It's just that all our platforms are object oriented and heavyweight. So right now we have this classically, we call it the impedance mismatch. It's like when you create an ORM an object relational mapper, now you need um, uh, a lightweight UI to heavy UI mapper. In the React world, they call this the shadow DOM. It is just like the DOM, except it doesn't carry all the weight of the DOM. It's It doesn't have all the events. It's more just a simple data structure that they can throw in and out. Then the whole trouble, the whole, I mean, the entire MVU framework is uh, just making that lightweight representation reflected in the um, the heavy OS one. So that's all an MVU library does is take this shadow version of the UI and make the UI actually change into it. So it's handling that heavy part for you and ideally. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes so, sense. So <clears throat> the other problem with the a million events strategy to writing applications is And we try not to think about this, James, and we do our best not to think about this, but if you have one event, life is easy. It comes in once, (laughs) nothing else can happen. Okay, two events. Well, A can happen before B or B can happen before A, fine. Three events. Oh, uh, A, B, C, A, C, B, B, C, A, B, you know, there's a big ordering of events that can happen. And it's a full permutation of the set of events. So if you're subscribing to 2030 events, your test space for what you should be testing in your app is bigger than the number of atoms in the universe. It's it's this ridiculous exponential growth that you can get into with an event system. Now we lie to ourselves and say, well, this event could never happen before that event, but it's all I mean, honestly, I feel like the majority of bugs are us just not getting our event orders correct and understanding them.
0: Got it. Yes, I do. I believe that that is, uh, events are always complicated because it's like, okay, well, to me, when I was rolling my own sort of framework, I look at it and I'm like, okay, well, when do I subscribe and when do I unsubscribe on appearing or after or on create or after create, like. I do it on create, what if I navigate back? Like, does it matter if I'm on the screen? But what if someone's updating that screen? You know, there's a lot of uh, conundrums, like very a lot of edge cases and race conditions between your application and uh, the operating system.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of implicit assumptions that you might make even just by event names, like button down. Well, is there always a button up to follow? Could there ever be a button up before a button down? Like we always just kind of assume there's going to be a button down and then a button up. But, you know, I I build hardware. I know how switches work. (laughs) You might get an errant signal or something like that. So there are just permutations upon permutations of event orderings that we literally just can't test for and don't test for, both of those words. The nice thing about the MVU architecture is that semantically, again, this is not exactly how they're implemented, but the way it should work in your mind is there's only ever one event. That event is the data changed. It's up to you to regenerate the UI now based upon the current data. So instead of you having to figure out those 8 billion permutations of events that could ever happen in your app, your task is back to your basic task of just build the app and we'll handle inevitably the event ordering will be settled for you because... You're only ever going to get one event, and it's going to be the everything changed. You have to assume at the beginning that the entire world changed every time you rebuild
0: the UI. So that is sort of the update part of model view update, right? Which is, hey, in the when we thought about the events of anything can change anytime, we got to subscribe, make sure it's correct, and we're we think of that as a nicety because I, we believe that the UI frameworks are basically. You know doing the right thing and Mm -hmm. updating only the bits and pieces that need to update that's what we hope that they're doing at least um whereas what you're saying that with the update it will just call at least the method to regenerate the user interface
1: yeah the entire user interface if you have 10 windows it's got to do it 10 times for each one of those windows And I think that that insults a lot of people. (laughs) Just like as an engineer, you're like, well, that's too much work. Um, That's ridiculous. But um, if you take some time and think through the actual numbers that we're talking about and how complex UIs actually are, like UIs are 10 levels deep, roughly um, 10, 10 levels wide. You know, they're actually not that big if you account for all the labels and the buttons and the hierarchy and all that. So we're generating whatever, I'm not gonna do the math, but you know, hundred to a thousand objects, you know, each time. You know, if you concatenate together two strings, you're allocating potentially like kilobytes and kilobytes of data, you can fit a UI in kilobytes and kilobytes of data, it turns out. So even though it sounds horrendous that you're rebuilding the entire UI no matter what happens, there is no intelligence being applied. It's a big hammer. You're knocking down the house and rebuilding it, knock the house down, rebuild it. Um, It's really not that bad. And then the, the, the intelligence of the framework of the MVU framework is taking that lightweight representation, like I was saying earlier, and making the actual heavyweight OS UI match it. Got
0: it. Well, let's talk about some of those UI frameworks and sort of how they go about implementing it, because I believe a lot of this MVU talk will be of interest when it comes to down in Maui, which is a new UI framework launching next fall, the evolution of Xamarin Forms. And we think about Xamarin Forms, we think of XAML, we think of MVVM, now we're thinking of some new stuff. Well, let's quickly take a quick break here and thank our good sponsor this week, Raygun. Listen, are you struggling to replicate bugs and performance issues that your customers are reporting? Happens to me all the time. Don't worry, it's okay. We can admit it. All you got to do is plug Raygun into your web or mobile application or both, and you can diagnose problems in minutes rather than hours. You can kiss goodbye having to dig through log files, relying on frustrated user reports, and you can make your software development life so much easier using Raygun's built-in error, crash, and performance monitoring tools. Every single software team can create flawless software experiences for their customers with Raygun. Try it for free today at raygun.com. Go to raygun.com and start your free trial today. And thanks to Raygun for sponsoring this week's pod.
1: Thanks, Raygun. And thanks, James, for not making fun of how many bugs I have in my apps.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, this time I gave you a gave you a pass. You know, whenever we talk about
1: architecture, I get real excited. <laughs> okay, so, so just got to keep you in a good mood as well. Yes. So I thought we would um, a lot. What I actually wanted to get at today, that was fun kind of doing an overview. But I've actually been asked online, there's this real debate going around about what's real MVU, James, and what's fake MVU. You know, we have a bunch of frameworks coming out that are implementing something along the lines of what I've been talking about. And I don't like this debate at all. Um, I think we've already seen how many similarities there are between MVVM. MVC, MVU, that, you know, there's infinite well, well, variety on. out there. there, there there's
0: <laughs> in all of them, there's a model and a view, by the way.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, you could almost argue what I was calling the feed forward path before. It's identical in all of these. So we're really only talking about that last little bit about how do we get the data back into mm. the model. I really deep down feel that way. And so whenever someone's calling out a library oh, that's fake MVU because it's not using we'll get to it, but the Elm architecture is a really popular version of the U part. Mm -hmm. Um, People are like, it's fake, it's not real. But to me, you're really missing the point. The point to me is the simplification of the event system and the idea that you build the UI from scratch every time, therefore not having all these race conditions in your app. But that said, oh my God, people out there have opinions on how to do the U part.
0: Well, I mean, that makes sense, too, because I think that there's a lot of opinions on how to do the VM of MVVM. <laughs> and just in general, I mean, if there's architecture, people will have opinions.
1: Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So if we go back, um, let's see, I we could go by, I don't know, like, the exact history of any of this stuff, because it is a pattern. People have been doing this forever, since there have been computers people have been writing UIs like this, but it's gotten all the rage. I think the big one that really shook the world was React because up till now, um, all web frameworks, especially JavaScript UI frameworks, where jQuery and um, Angular, all things trying to be kind of native programming kind of setups, especially because that's how the DOM works. The DOM is an object-oriented thinger with events, And you're supposed to subscribe to events and unsubscribe from events. It's very complicated. So React was kind of the first framework that said, look, just write some functions that converts from your data model to your UI. We'll even give you this template language, but whatever. That's a secondary thing. Who cares? Mm. It's a template language. Go write these functions. We're going to create this crazy thing called the shadow DOM, and we're going to take care of the updates. Your event system is simplified now. One update, blah, blah. Ding, blong, no bugs. And people are like, dang, this is great. There are no bugs because look what happens when you simplify UI programming. So I think React is one of my favorites. The problem with React James is they did not solve the U part. They left off the U part. Uh, They said, write us these functions, we'll build you UI. What you do inside your button click handler, uh, we're not going to talk about that. So it left a lot of... um, well, diversity, we'll we'll call it diversity on how people implemented that. And you might have seen a framework called like Redux or something like that. That was Facebook's attempt at the U part. But I think just React needs to get its recognition for kind of waking up the web world to this style.
0: Yeah, I sort of remember going to a few React uh, um, sessions at different conferences back in the day, and sort of understanding it, which was pure react was whenever someone does something, just it updates the entire thing. Like, boom, here's, here's the update. Like you sort of figure it out. Um, and they didn't really get Mm -hmm. beyond that because it was really just introduction to react and they didn't want to introduce all the other shenanigans, which we, we have talked about redux, I believe on a previous pod. So I think there's a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of overlap there, right? As we start to talk about MVU and these other things that are there, but I guess when I look at um, other things like F Sharp or Fabulous or Flutter or sort of the new stuff with .NET Maui, are those I guess considered, or would you consider those sort of the 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 um, relay? relay no redux part of it relay there are so many (laughs) things that start with r yeah (laughs) Uh, um redux part of it like are
1: those built into the framework so there's other things on top of it or how does that work well you know the worst part is i've read the redux white paper a hundred times and (laughs) it makes absolutely zero sense like it's so vaguely specified generalized however you want to call that that when i say redux it's actually a library people use because the spec is just (laughs) useless (laughs) <laughs> useless <laughs> so um but um if we get into um like maui i think the current version of maui um does not seem to have embraced the we rebuild the ui from scratch every time now there was a dotnet project i know you're familiar with it because it's friend of the show clancy building his comet api that's correct and yeah, yeah comet is a proper full-on um mvu that said, even Comet got a lot of flack from the MVU people for how exactly the U part was being implemented. Mm. And yeah, it, and it's it's awkward because it's just like, yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay, it's awkward because it's a vaguely specified problem with a million solutions. So, of course, there's a million good solutions. And the way um, Comet did it was... It it stuck with the uh, mutating objects that we all know from .NET. So we have observable objects with settable properties and Mm. observable collections, you know, the standard VM (laughs) or, yeah, VM, yeah, view model stuff from MVVM. Uh, So Comet was really cool because it really kind of bridged those two worlds because there's an understanding that there's a lot of .NET code out there that assumes mutation, Mm -hmm. And I notify property change and it'd be silly to throw all that knowledge and stuff away. So Comet had that forward pass that I was describing about the lightweight creation, but then used old timey.net stuff for Mm. um, the
0: update part. Got it. Got it. That That makes sense. Well, also, because the thing is, in a mobile application, it's not super realistic to recreate the entire user interface because a label updated you know what i mean
1: yeah you would think so so someone said that online and i got very upset and i went and wrote a a library called immutable ui and then you and i did a podcast on said library called immutable ui that's true i remember yeah i'm gonna make you 200 episodes later
0: i have no idea what i yeah
1: See, I tricked you. This is actually immutable UI, too. I got my library into this one. <laughs> Classic Frank. Yeah. So um, it, it goes back to that argument I was saying before. It's just how well do you implement? How lightweight can you make that UI layer? And it turns out .NET's really good at creating a lot of quick little temporary objects. It's kind of what the garbage collector was designed to do. It's why we have a generational collector. It can detect um, short-lived objects versus long-lived objects. It can Mm -hmm. detect small objects versus large objects. It's a smart garbage collector, you know? Use it. So so the whole trick, again, was translating from that lightweight representation to the heavyweight. That's what Immutable UI did. Now, that spawned Fabulous. So the F-sharp people said look at us. <laughs> We're a proper functional language. You want to translate from one data data type or whatever um, ontology to another, we'll do it. We can do that. We're all functional. So they built the amazing library Fabulous, which uh, gives you that forward pass, that MB. We generate the whole world on every event. Mm-hmm. but then did something a little crazy and a little clever with the U-Path. And they implemented yet another architecture out there called Elm. Have you heard of Elm? Ah, I have heard of
0: Elm because I have talked to the fabulous folks to understand a little bit about the project, where it came from. But that they went in, I don't think they'd really describe, we did a few videos on the Xamarin show. that I don't know if Timothy really went in too much into the Elm an Elmish part of it. It was sort mm-hmm. of a you know it. It does it. So here's how you do. It. You don't have to necessarily understand the Elm Elmish stuff to hopefully use the library.
1: Yeah, you, you might. I'm sure you, there are parts of the. So <laughs> let me start over. <laughs> elmish it, elm is a programming language elmish is yet another architecture or style or pattern whatever word you want to use for that for doing the update part that we're talking about so just to be clear elm is a language whatever Got it. um yeah so what elm tried to do elm was written in A language that's even more functional than F Sharp. Can you believe that? Impossible. (laughs) I know. (laughs) They really hate mutation to the point where they don't really support it at all, (laughs) which is awkward. (laughs) If you've never seen how to write a program without using mutation, it might blow your mind a little bit. Um, But that's where you get into the wonderful things called monads and how to carry state along with your entire app. Anyway, la di da. They came up with a pattern where instead of events, you have things called commands, fine. And there is a very strict way in which you handle commands. So instead of having um, on-click handlers for buttons, you might have a command like um, submit form. That would be the command. You do this in your VM work, right? Because Mm -hmm. do you put commands in your view model or are you anti-command?
0: Oh, I put the commands in my in my view model. To where they go.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this is this is perfect for you. So they but they are very strict. Okay. There are no event handlers. Um, there are only commands. Mm. So yeah. So everything, anything that can be an event, you create a command for, which is kind of nice. It's like a bookkeeper's dream of, you know, everything's written down and kind of one place. It's very organized. Um, it's very, you know, retentive. <laughs> I don't, I'm trying not to give away how I feel about it, but what, how I feel about it is it's a little too restrictive for mm. me. It's, and it gets uh,
0: as- it's opinionated. It's extremely opinionated on how you should do it. And to yeah. the to the fact that there's only one way to do it.
1: Right. And worse, it's opinionated to build UIs of a certain type. Now, this mm. one came out of the web world. This is a web framework. And as we know, all web fri- websites are just web forms. That's all they do. <laughs> they just put text boxes in front of you and demand that you click more buttons. And then they show you a picture of a cat. And then it's more buttons. That's yep. accurate. That's uh, the truth. <laughs> That's how the web works. And so this is an amazing pattern for building web pages (laughs) to be to be blunt and kind of (laughs) harsh it's great for that how do you build a cad program in it it becomes a quite a bit more difficult Hmm. because uh the pattern while you know how it is with patterns james the pattern is great when you first learn it you're like i'm gonna write the whole app in this pattern and then you're onto the third page of your app and you're like i'm gonna have to break the pattern here
0: A, a pattern is great until it's not great and then you know, and then you have to decide, you know, when is it okay for you to break that pattern? I mean, a good example is, you know, with, even with MVVM all the time, there's the discussion of, well, should you put any code in your code behind? And I'm like, well, you know, why not? If you need just put it back. And we did a whole episode <laughs> on code behind stuff. Like, just, just put it back there. It's fine. All right, who cares? <laughs> I mean, do you need to ship today? And like, maybe just do that instead of, you know, I don't know. That's sort of how I've always looked at it is. I don't know, maybe it's, it's whatever you decide.
1: So, yeah. 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 So I think that's what I find so frustrating about the Elmish architecture for the the you part of MVU is that it says, this is how you do updates. And I'm like, mm. hey, man, the world's more complex than that. Like Maybe I want to do an update here, a little update there. You know, I'm smart. I, I know when to do the updates, um, but it, it doesn't allow that. And so that's why I'm slightly opinionated on Fabulous, because they adopt that um, pattern. Mm. It's not just that they adopt it, they enforce it. You're stuck with it. Mm. Um, Whereas something like Immutable UI, I did the MV part, I did not do the U part. The U was up to you. (laughs) So I just, you know, I abstained. I said, "It's, it's a hard problem. And honestly, I think... I've been going around to conferences giving presentations on this style of programming for years. And every time I presented on it, I slightly changed how I did my updates. Hmm. And, you know, that's how it is. Every app's a little different. All your data sources are a little bit different. And I, I like that control personally in my apps.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's sort of why I've always thought about how I've evolved. I've sort of gotten to the state where like how I do MVVM is like pretty standardized now, but it wasn't for a while. And then sometimes I still change it. Cause I'm like, Oh, but what if I do it this way? Or what if I just change this mm-hmm. a little bit? And then there's other, you know, libraries and architecture patterns on top of that. Like, you know, how do I handle navigation? And that's going to be a little bit different. Or do I put this oh, yeah. in a, do I put this into a, a service or do I put that service into my, into my view model, like what is the, how far away is the separation? Some, some people think that the view model itself should know pretty much nothing about the data that it's serving up. It should just be a very thin client. And that's why a lot of people have data services and those data services as an interface and those interfaces are how the, the view model does it. So if you make, if you, you know, make it so your UI doesn't know anything about the view model and the view model doesn't know anything about the data. The whole idea is you can swap out anything at any time and that's fantastic. <laughs> but even though you never do that, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> and the navigation, it doesn't know about that. So you're like, okay, but, but maybe in 2025 uh, we'll be able to update that. So, so that's always the the conundrum I think is, is how far and how strict are you? Right. And I can understand by the way, Looking at the Elmish type of programming that you describe is like, hey, this is how, like, this is, you know, some strictness. And if you're in a, a business where you're, you know, having solid mm-hmm. principles and you're doing all this, you're like, this is great because it really enforces this pattern. And that's great because it's going to help us long term do X, Y, Z. And uh, that, that's also has its advantages too, in, in some way.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I feel a little bad that I talk so much trash about Elm because I have to give it props for, A, popularizing the style of coding, but B, because it has some fancy features your MVVM does not have. <laughs> so if you, can, if you can handle the handcuffs, um, you get some wonderful features. For example, um, state restoration. Because all the data of the app is encapsulated into this one kind of root object, guess what? Turn that into JSON, put that on the hard drive. Next time the app loads, load that JSON and you restore your UI instantly. Mm -hmm. So it's like free state restoration. And there are even the testability becomes ridiculously simple because it's a matter of initialize some data, send this command at it. So the same benefits of view models you can get from it. Uh, So those are some definite definite positives. But it's funny, um, something I haven't Know if I stressed quite enough is uh, when you're writing in the MVU style, you're just writing functions for the most part, functions that take data and output UI. And so when you talk about like swapping things in and out, one of the things I like most about it is you just change the name of a function and write a different version of that function or whatever, and it's super easy to swap things in and out. So I build test UIs all the time because they're just so lightweight that building a UI is basically easy it's just a function (laughs) take some data i'll put some ui and so i find myself um just experimenting more because it's so easy i find myself creating test uis that will probably see never see the light of day but they're useful in my development and all that i love that simplicity of you know just write a function
0: write a function and
1: you're done how's that i like it that's a show title Write a function and you're done. Do, do, do. I love it. Ah, <laughs> oh, that 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 was everything. Everything I know about MVU, James.
0: So I, <laughs> the question I have, right, and I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, is you know, especially going into 2021, is hey, do I need to go learn this MVU thing, or will this MVU thing play nice with my MVVM thing? Do you have thoughts hmm.
1: on that? Um, yeah, Um. It, it, it's tricky right now because you're basically, well, let me take a step back. Uh, these are patterns. So you could do a little bit of your app this way, a little bit of your app that way. You know, the world's up to you. You can do a little bit of Fabulous here and do XAML and other places. So absolutely, um, it can fit in with other apps. And I actually want to give a little shout out to SwiftUI here, which is done kind of a neat trick of they've kind of combined the immutable world with the comet world of still using um i notify property changed and setters and um mutability they've merged immutability with mutability and made their ui framework capable of handling both I don't think we have anything quite that advanced in .NET at the moment, (laughs) but, you know, the future's it's just a few lines of code away, so who knows if we'll ever get it. But if you have a library like Immutable UI or Fabulous, then the rest is just a pattern. The rest is up to you on how you want to take advantage of lightweight UI construction. Um, I hope, if nothing else, um, this is just an introduction to the concepts. But maybe go write a little basic app in it. And I think when when I wrote uh, continuous my IDE, I kind of kept bragging to you that I wrote it in F sharp, therefore it contains no bugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. a large part of that is because I adopted the style in it. It was just so easy to code and so easy to test out that it really was so much easier to find bugs in it. Got it.
0: Got it. Well, I'm gonna go give it a try. I've been meaning to go learn a bunch of stuff. I, I sort of understand the basics. Like when I when I see almost a sort of the new C-sharp extensions and markup mm-hmm. stuff that they have in Xamarin Forms where you can sort of still do the MVVM stuff in a way, but you can sort of construct a lot more of functions and, and whatnot. I think it's like a good first step and then like go all in. Like, hey, how do I progress? Because with the MVU model, it is code driven, right? So you're going to yeah. have the updates. So you might want to get used to that. Say, hey, I got my MVVM stuff, but how do I maybe take a code first approach? And then how do I leverage that and take that even further to update this and learn some new things? So maybe it's like, yeah, hey, mess around with this and mess around with that. So it might be a good first step.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, you know, it's funny that there's nothing stopping templates from working in MVU or even XAML. Like you mm. could use XAML for MVU. Uh, the thing is, it's just historical. Uh, for uh, MVU came out of a very code-driven UI world where people were building UIs in code. And so it's just more of a historical accident that we're not using templates that much. I mentioned that React, what I think is one of the most successful MVU frameworks out there, actually did release templates. They have JSX files. So it's a funny mix between the two. So, But definitely, if you want a great intro to this world, try to code up some UIs in C Sharp. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, You and I, we we both love, I know, I know you're a XAML person, but I know that you also like a little code driven UI from time to time. Who doesn't? It's, it's a easy, fun way to create UIs.
0: Yeah. Got to have a little in there. I like it. I Mm -hmm. like it.
1: Oh my goodness. if i can give advice don't get put off by the elmish style if you see messages and commands and things like that know that someone is selling you a little bit of snake oil they're like hey this is a pattern that's going to solve all your problems the pattern here is lightweight functions generating ui don't get distracted by the other stuff don't get distracted by the feedback loop um yeah so just take your time breathe and try to see the forest for the trees <laughs> nice
0: i will do that all right frank um i mean this is pretty educational for me so i appreciate it because i have looked at fabulous for a while and i've looked at react a little bit here and there but i haven't had the motivation so maybe i've finally become motivated
1: oh, and I'm, I'm sorry i told it just before i i'd feel terrible blazer <laughs> mm. blazer is an implementation of this. They yeah. call it um, component driven, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what they call it, but it's MVU. <laughs> it's pure, it's simp- it's quite simply MVU. They, I mean, they're even doing UI synchronization over the wire. So uh, Blazor is, I mean, it's basically Microsoft's better React because <laughs> it. it's much more thorough, <laughs> much better. Nice. I like yeah. that. Yeah, so I try I mean, Blazor if you want a good introduction it. to all this. Yeah.
0: And I've done that. So I guess I'm pretty much an MVU pro at this point. Well, look at you always (laughs)
1: ahead of the curve. Yeah,
0: whatever. (laughs) All right. Well, let us know what your experience of MVU is. If you have questions as well, head to mergeconflict.fm and uh, Frank will answer all of them for you because he's an (laughs) MVU master.
1: So cool. Thanks. Thanks. Um, Yeah. Totes going to do that. James, why is it so hot in my room right now? Because you turned off your air conditioning. So go (sighs) turn
0: back on your air conditioning, Frank, and uh, enjoy the evening. And I will talk to you later. And that's going to do for this week's Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And
1: I'm Frank Kruger. Thanks for listening. Peace.